0: Calling all detectives. When a man refuses a $20,000 bequest and even threatens to beat up anybody who so much as mentions it, then something strange is going on. That is the situation on this page for my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Let me, Jerry Browning, Private Detective, tell you something. Everything is against a criminal. As I stepped into the office of John Cooley, head of the Investigations Department for Consolidated Insurance, one muscle twitched in his right cheek. That was his idea of a smile.
1: File number 60928B, Mrs. Agnes Meriden, aged 57, deceased.
0: I put on what I hoped was an intelligent look and waited. After a moment, Cooley added reluctantly,
1: Beneficiary is Mr. Arthur Anderson, a nephew in Kansas City, Missouri.
0: I nodded. What's the value of the policy, Mr. Cooley? Cooley
1: blinked. $20,000 plus accumulated dividends.
0: There was a long pause, so I decided to help him out. You think there was something peculiar about Mrs. Meriden's death? Are you holding up payment? Cooley picked up a bottle of pills, looked at it, shook it, put it down.
1: Browning, the beneficiary, Anderson, has refused to accept payment.
0: It was my turn to blink.
1: You mean he won't take the 20 grand? Why? He claims he never heard of Mrs. Meriden. Something is fishy, Browning. Very fishy.
0: The beneficiary of a $20,000 insurance policy refused to accept payment on the grounds that he'd never heard of the deceased woman. My job was to find out what it was all about. The address I had for Arthur Anderson in Kansas City turned out to be a dingy apartment above a small machine shop. The woman who opened the door was middle aged, but had sun bleached brown hair, a rather plain, weather beaten face, and nervous eyes. She told me that she was Mrs. Anderson and that her husband was in his machine shop downstairs. And at that point, Anderson himself came galloping upstairs.
1: Mercer, is that another man from that insurance company?
0: I turned to face Anderson. It was a big, sullen, beetle-browed man.
1: Now you look here. I told the last man from your company that if anybody else came around bothering me, I was going to pitch him downstairs.
0: I backed away a little. Take it easy, Mr. Anderson. We're trying to pay you money. Anderson's answer was to lunge at me. Well, Consolidator doesn't pay me to beat up beneficiaries, so I let him push me around and finally shove me downstairs. Just as I reached the sidewalk, I heard what sounded like a woman's scream from upstairs. That settled I went across the street, found shelter in a doorway, and watched. After a while, Anderson came down looking very red and grim, marched into his machine shop. About an hour later, Mrs. Anderson came downstairs with a market bag. Even from across the street, the red welt across her cheek was plainly visible. I followed her to a supermarket a couple of blocks away, accosted her again. Look, Mrs. Anderson, I, I don't know what's wrong with your husband, but if you're in some kind of trouble, I'm a private detective. I'll be glad to help you. She didn't want to talk to me at first, and ended up by telling me all her fears. She was a farm woman, as I'd thought. A widow who'd made a mail-order marriage through a correspondence club, sold her farm, turned over all her money to a new husband. An old, old story. Mrs. Anderson... I don't know what your husband is up to, but I'm afraid he's a dangerous man. Mrs. Anderson put her hand up to the red mark on her cheek. Yeah. If he hits you just for talking to me, he's liable to do worse. By now, I had a pretty fair idea of what kind of man I was up against. My problem was how to protect Mrs. Anderson without arousing her husband's suspicions. Finally, I got an idea. Look, when you return from marketing, tell your husband that you ran into some old friends from your hometown visiting here in Kansas City. You gave them your address and they said they'd drop in to see you sometime this week. I went over the story with her a couple of times until I thought she had it down plausibly enough. Then I left. At City Hall, I did some checking. There were records of two previous marriages between Arthur Anderson and women from remote small-town addresses. His first wife was listed as having died. His second wife, he'd divorced. Desertion. I went on to the central insurance clearance office. I'd like these two names checked on. Alice Mabley Cooper from Chinook, Washington and Grace Lauterman from Bangkok, Virginia. I want to know whether either woman ever had any insurance and if so, what happened to it. In a rented car, I drove back to the Anderson address, parked across the street, and watched. There was a light in Anderson's apartment. After a while, I saw Mrs. Anderson pass the window. A while later, pass it again as we'd arranged. She was safe, at least for the time being. The next morning, I had the reports on the two women. They'd both had insurance policies. Both turned them in for their cash surrender value shortly after the date shown for their marriage. It was getting warm. And this time at police headquarters, I want a search warrant for Anderson's shop. I think he's a mass murderer. Anderson kicked up a terrific fuss.
1: I'll sue for defamation of character and false arrest.
0: I felt a little sick about that until a cop said...
1: There's a body buried in the basement. Anderson, you're under arrest.
0: Yeah, he was a mass murderer, all right. By the time he finished confessing, he admitted five other murders, all of mail-order wives, some of whom he'd married in other cities. But he still insisted that he'd never heard of Agnes Meriden, the woman who'd left him $20,000 and which he'd suspected was some kind of a trap. Well, I came on back to town and reported to John Cooley.
1: with me. On that Agnes Meriden policy, she made a mistake with the beneficiary's address. The beneficiary is Arthur Anderson of the same address in Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri.
0: And that was it. The one chance in a million. Two different Arthur Andersons at the same address, but in different cities. Yet that mistake saved a woman's life and sent a murderer to the chair. Like I said, everything seems to be against a killer. Even the law of averages. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.